Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work. And you can find out more by visiting the website. Give them a call, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show lined up for you today, including guests Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. And as usual, on Monday morning, we'll be talking about current global events. We'll visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. What is hyperinflation? Can it happen here in the United States? Well, maybe it already did. We'll also visit with Linda, my wife Linda. We'll talk about uh, 2,000 mules. The great, uh, we saw the premiere on Saturday night. It was absolutely fantastic. We'll find out why later in the show. It is May the 9th, and on this day in 1960, the Food and Drug Administration approved the world's first commercially produced birth control pill. The pill, as it became popularly known, was initially commissioned by birth control pioneer Margaret Sanger, Malthusian person. She wanted to limit population, and funded by heiress Catherine McCormick, Sanger, who opened the first birth control clinic in the United States in 1916, hoped to encourage the development of a more practical and effective alternative to contraceptives that were in use at the time. In the early 1950s, Gregory Pincus, a biochemist at the Worcester Foundation for Experimental Biology, and John Rock, a gynecologist at Harvard Medical School, began work on a birth control pill. Clinical tests of the pill, which were used synthetic progesterone and estrogen, to uh, repress ovulation in women was initiated in 1954 on May the 9th, 1960. Well, uh, Collier County uh, Mark Manager Mark Isaacson plans to step down from his role on May the 13th. That's two months earlier than he initially planned. The sudden resignation means the county will be without a manager. While commissioners continue to narrow their search, they have six finalists for his job. Although uh, July 1st remains his official retirement date, he will step down from his full-time duties on May the 13th, the memo says, primarily because uh, complications from COVID, as I understand it. He has health issues, and he's been advised by his doctors to uh, uh, release, get away from the stress of uh, work, and he's got enough time built up so he can uh, retire a little bit early. Uh, Congratulations, and thank you, uh, County Manager Mark Isaacson, for your contribution uh, to us. Well, seeing what's happened to tenants getting hit with monster hikes as their leases expire is what's become an affordable housing crisis. Uh, advocates at a simple but urgent request at Collier County Commission meeting last month. And it's true. I've talked to a number of people who said, oh, my, my rent's gone up uh, $500, $600 a month. And people are adjusting. They're working to do it. But some people are going to be really caught and squeezed as a result of this on limited incomes and especially the elderly. Ask landlords, uh, one of the things they're considering is asking landlords to give 60 days notice if there's more than a 5% increase in the rent. It's a very complex issue, and we're dealing with uh, private property, and uh, very complicated issue. So, but hopefully they won't, they'll be more deliberate, they won't rush to a conclusion here, but that might be a small part of the solution as they uh, come up with further deliberations. The issue will come up tomorrow at the Collier County Commissioner's meeting. Ron DeSantis signed, uh, of course, our governor, House Bill 7071, which provides more than $1.2 billion of tax relief for Floridians. The bill provides for 10 sales tax holidays for a variety of items commonly purchased by Florida families, including fuel, diapers, disaster supplies, and tools. Florida's economy has uh, consistently outpaced the nation, but we're still fighting against inflationary policies imposed by us by the Biden administration, said uh, Governor DeSantis. In Florida, we're going to support our residents and help them afford the goods they need. Florida has been fiscally responsible, so we're in a good position to provide meaningful relief for families right now. And I I looked over the list. I'm not going to go through the list right now because there's several items and they're time-bound. In other words, uh, only for a short period of time. For example, school supplies and 
uh, relief from taxes of, of various sorts. The point is this, uh, they're all regressive taxes, meaning this will benefit the uh, least well-off among us, which is a good thing. And uh, just really commend uh, the legislature, as well as Governor DeSantis, for coming up with this list. Uh, uh, you know, we should all take advantage of this if we can, and because it uh, amounts to a billion dollars, more than a billion dollars of tax relief for Floridians in the next year. Well, the U.S. 11th Circuit Court of Appeals on Friday overturned a decision that struck down Florida's 2021 voting law, the three-member circuit bench, with each member having been appointed by President Donald Trump, decided in favor of the state in a suit filed by the League of Women Voters of Florida. Vote beat uh, U.S. Carrie Levine tweeted. Uh, Florida had suspended enforcement of key elements of its voting law after a March 31st ruling by a U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Florida. The voting law, signed by Governor DeSantis last May, tightened rules on mail-in ballots, drop boxes, and other election methods, changes the negatively affected black voters, uh, Judge Walker uh, wrote in his ruling. On Friday, the circuit court judge faulted uh, Walter for failing to presume the good faith of Florida legislature is required. While we do not require courts to encant magic words, it does not appear to us that the district court here has meaningfully accounted for the presumption at all. The opinion said the opinion also cited that the Purcell principle, which derived from Purcell versus Gonzalez, essentially says it's uh, too close to Florida's primary election, especially noting that Florida registration was already underway and the stay affected the rules governing it, uh, Levine tweeted. Much of the debate about the voting law focused on vote by mail uh, ballots and how they were collected and returned. The new law also determined when people could use a drop box to submit their ballot. When he signed the legislation a year ago, DeSantis hailed it as uh, its focus on election security and says it added stronger and election integrity measures to the country. We're making sure that we're enforcing voter ID, DeSantis said during the Fox News appearance on West Palm Beach, where he signed the legislation in front of cheering supporters. We're also banning ballot harvesting. We're not going to let political operatives go and get satchels of votes to dump them. In some drop box, uh, go, uh, the governor said. By the way, 2,000 mules, it's a must-see. We'll talk about it a little bit later in the show. But uh, it is uh, just amazing to see how the election was stolen by mules, so-called mules, who went out and brought uh, from uh, various not-for-profits. There's not, We don't know who they are, but they actually deposited ballots in these, uh, in these uh, drop boxes. And uh, they weren't folded. I mean, they're, they're phony ballots, and it's uh, there's hundreds of thousands of them. And uh, uh, it's a must-see if you're at all concerned about the election results in 2020 and voter integrity going forward. A federal judge ruled on May the 4th that a lawsuit filed by Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody over catch and release of undocumented immigrants can move forward, rejecting the Biden administration's motion to dismiss it. U.S. District Court uh, Ken Weatherall denied the motion filed by the U.S. Department of Justice to dismiss Moody's uh, case that was filed last year. The lawsuit alleged that the Biden administration has violated immigration laws through policies that have led to people being released from detention across after crossing the U.S. border with Mexico. Also alleged that the releases affected Florida because of its negative impacts on education, health care, and criminal justice services. The Justice Department attorneys contended that the Biden administration had non-detention policy. However, Weatherall, formerly a state appeals court judge, ruled that the lawsuit should continue to move forward. In the 37-page decision, the judge made blistering remarks about the Biden administration's policies, and I want to read these. Here they are. Here's some of the comments. Suffice it to say, the court is wholly unpersuaded by defendants' position, that being the Biden administration, that they have unfettered discretion to determine uh, how or if to comply with immigration statutes, and there's nothing that Florida or this court can do about the policies, even if they contravene the immigration statutes, Weatherall wrote. This position is a re as remarkable as it is wrong because it is well established that no one, not even the president, is above the law, and the court unquestionably has the authority to say what the law is and to invalidate action of the executive branch that contravenes the law and or the Constitution. Thus, 
If Florida allegations that defendants are essentially flaunting the immigration laws are proven to be true, the court most certainly can and will do something about it, he wrote. Whether appointed by then-President Donald Trump refused to dismiss the case, as he wrote his decision, Florida has plausibly alleged that the ALA challenged policies already and will continue to cost it millions of dollars, including the cost of incarcerating criminal aliens and the cost of providing a variety of public benefits, including unemployment benefits, free public education, and emergency services to aliens who settle in Florida after being paroled into the country, he wrote. Weatherall said in his decision that he has not discounted the federal government's argument that Congress has authorized it to establish immigration enforcement policies and priorities, specifically those related to allocation of its limited resources, thereby convening discretion. However, Congress was presumably aware of the defendants had limited resources when it enacted the detention requirement, yet it still chose to use language mandating detention, he wrote in his decision. So in other words, if you don't give them the money, how can they enforce uh, uh, Biden's policies? So it uh, was a circular argument. Even if resource allocation and other policy uh, priorities can be considered in defendants' exercise of their limited parole authority, those considerations do not give defendants carte blanche to release arriving aliens without undertaking individualized case-by-case assessments as required by the statute, as they've been allegedly done through the challenge policies, particularly if, as Florida alleges, defendants have essentially created the problem the challenged policies seek to alleviate. Uh, great decision. Great to see. We don't know. This will probably go back up and be appealed, and uh, it'll probably take some time for enforcement. But it's great to see Florida is trying to enforce immigration laws, even though this administration won't. Well, recent findings from a CNN poll demonstrate that Supreme Court potential overturning of Roe v. Wade may galvanize Republicans in the upcoming midterm elections, a reaction Democrats hope would occur among their voters. According to the results, Republicans may be willing, more willing to vote now than they were beginning of the year. In contrast, Democrats have displayed a decreased interest in voting since November. The numbers are not encouraging for Democrats. With an increased number of Democrats' incumbents uh, announcing retirement, Republicans seems poised to usher in a red wave that could bring Biden's current hold on Congress to a halt. This isn't the first survey to suggest Republicans are increasing, e- increasingly eager to vote new representatives into office. Another poll released on May the 6th featured online interviews submitted to 800 respondents between May the 3rd and the 5th in partnership with the SSRS Research Services. When asked how enthusiastic would you be in, uh, about voting for Congress in the next year election, 56% of Republicans voted said they were extremely and very enthusiastic Similarly, a broader group of 58% of conservative voters answered the same in the same manner. Democrats, by comparison, expressed lower levels of enthusiasm. Of registered Democrats, 43% said they were very enthusiastic. The number dropped even further to 35% among the broader categories of liberals. Pretty good outcome and pretty good in, uh, indication that this Hail Mary about abortion and Roe v. Wade is not going to bring out the Democrats and help them and persuade uh, the results of the midterm elections. And by the way, right now we know that liberals are starting to protest in front of the homes of conservative justices. In fact, Alito and his family have found a different place to live while this is all going on. These people who are protesting the law specifically states it's against the law to do this. Hopefully these people will be charged. They can be up to a year in jail. Probably not going to happen though, right? We'll see. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning Naples, longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Hi, 
I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is an author. He's written several books, mainly on past presidents. He's also the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website I encourage you to visit it's called historycentral.com mark thank you so much for joining us always a pleasure bob mark we've been talking about uh, current global events well f- perhaps for the last 15 years on on monday morning and i really appreciate your contributions up to the second almost contributions to what's going on uh the story about ukraine continues on and uh, it makes me wonder if perhaps the media is losing interest at this point well the media is losing a little bit of interest a, because the media just loses interest, as we know. So do people lose interest. You know, right. We jump to the social issues or whatever the, whatever the latest, latest news is. You know, I was on, on a TV show a couple of days ago, and my car, my, the correspondent said to me, we were discussing how um, good news and bad news and all those issues. And as he said, you know, when it bleeds, it leads. So Ukraine's been bleeding, but it's less of a bleeding than the latest shooting in who knows where, right? right. So the late, you know, crimes is up, or we have the we have the Supreme Court issues. All those things sort of sort of take away a little bit, but the reality is it's the biggest story, and it's been the biggest story, and it'll probably be the biggest story of of the decade, ultimately. Yeah, no question. Probably. I mean, the, the, it's just the 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 thing that concerns me the most, of course, is that. How many nuclear warheads does Russia have? Is it like six thousand? I'm such a whole lot. Something in that, something in that area, absolutely. And of course, you know that's a concern. There's no question about it. But um, look, um, the reality is this thing. You know, except for the for the poor, terrible people who are dying, both on the Ukrainian side and the poor young Russian soldiers who had no idea what they were about to do, who are dying in ten. Looks like at this point, almost twenty thousand have died. Um, you know the outcome uh so far so good what can i say the russians are losing the war period mm-hmm. and um they deserve to lose the war and um you know both the ukrainians have put up this unbelievable fight and the coalition that was put together primarily by the us administration but uh, some of the europeans and everybody else 
has been at this point is giving better and newer arms to the Ukrainians than what the Russians have. And so at this rate, um, the time is on the Ukrainian side, as strange as that seems. You know, if we would have had this discussion two months ago, we would be talking about how many days left the Ukrainians have to have to hold on, and it's just the opposite at this point. It's so interesting. Um, so the what, second what, part of the the Russian, you know, part two of this war, which was their offensive in the in the in the south, has come to a halt. The Ukrainians have basically stopped them on every part of their advance, and the Ukrainians have actually begun a successful counter offensive in parts of the regions. So, uh, Mark, so, uh, can you comment at all on the, the kind of the subplot of the uh, uh, Putin's health? I don't know. It's, you know. There are so many different stories out there um, that, you know, this is because of Putin's health, because he feels like his legacy. He only has so much time to create a legacy, and he believed his legacy was to reunite the old imperial Russia or Soviet Union, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, and so he felt he had to do this now. I mean, he came out just now. He spoke at um, the VE Day celebrations, the Russian VE Day, VE Day celebrations in Moscow. And people were expecting all sorts of different things that he might say, declare war, national mobilization. But in the end, all he basically did is he briefly talked about the fact that it was a war that was brought on Russia because the West was about to attack Russia. Um, so... Is he being paranoid? Probably not, because he probably knew the, Rush, the West was not about to attack Russia. I mm-hmm. mean, but it's part of the you know the pattern of lies that continuously comes out of Moscow. Uh, unfortunately, some people actually believe the lies, and that's that's a sad part. Mm-hmm. And um, anyone who believes anything that comes out of the Russian mouths these days, any time in the last couple of years, frankly, um, is gravely mistaken and should get a, get a new job. You know. But if you're a defense analyst or you're a politician or whatever it might be, and you you bought whatever the Russians were selling, find a new profession. That's well, no, I must say, I must say, uh, the, a health professional that I work with is really terrific, great healer. But he comes from northern Russia, and it's so interesting to listen to his narrative, which is so separate from uh, what we're hearing from the mainstream media and from others. So it's it's interesting to hear different points of view, and I think it's true that. Wait. To that, that there is a, a variety uh, in war. There's just a variety of things that uh, we're going to hear that are not necessarily true. Yeah, but I have to say, you have to understand something. There is truth and there is absolute lies, and everything coming out of the Russian mouths is generally lies. Mm. I have to say, um, I admit um, meekly that prior to this war, I appeared from time to time on on RT, Russian television, talking about topic very, very far, uh, the Holocaust, or for some reason, they always wanted me to come on when they're talking about when there were some issues relating to that. But I'd often listen before, especially in the in a month or two before this war, I, w- I would listen to the feed because, you know, you'd hear the feed coming in from, from the show, and, and it was just lie after lie after lie, mm-hmm. and things you just know are lies. Now, I know for a fact that any Russians, whether living in the United States, those in Israel, who listen to Russian news media will just be getting total, total lies, and they'll have a different view of the war because one side is lying constantly. Yeah, Understand that. It's not like, you know, a little white lie here and there. Their basis of their, of their whole conversation is to keep on lying and lying again and again. And it's the old Goebbels, German view. If you say a lie enough times, it gets a certain amount of credence. Yeah, you know, Mark, it's so, so American interesting. politics, too. I mean, you, you keep on saying the same lie, and it must be true, because I've heard it a hundred times, right? Yeah, I know you're, you're absolutely correct, and it's it's true that the narratives coming out from, from CNN and some of the others that, uh, uh, you know, I can almost tell who what people watch and, and who they listen to in terms of their news by their points of view on some of the things that they're talking about. Yeah, but understand something. There are certain issues that there are issues about, right? You can, you know, you can talk about whether you support Roe versus Wade or other matters where you, you know, more government control, less government control, gun control, no gun control. You can have a view. I can have a view. We can discuss it. We can argue about it. Yep. I might get my views because I listen to one channel, and you may get your views because you listen to another channel. That's all reasonable, etc. Because they're views, they're viewpoints on on issues that are in contention, and there's different views on those issues, right? Mm-hmm. However, there's certain things that are facts. The fact of the matter is the Russians attempted to capture Kiev and failed and were forced to withdraw all the way back to the Russian border. The fact is they were going to move forward in the Donbass, except they ran into uh, opposition and they couldn't move forward. You know, their ship was sunk 
by um, by Ukrainian missiles and not because there was an act. Mark, are you there? <laughs> this is a, amazing. Every time we talk about what's happening with Ukraine and, and Putin, uh, I lose Mark on the phone. So I'm going to take a commercial break right now. And uh, hopefully Mark will call back in and we'll uh, have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples' only vitality and longevity practice where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratostel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, building a 44,000 square foot Performing Arts Center in downtown Naples would be absolutely beautiful and bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now, we continue the conversation with uh, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. So, Mark, before I lost you here uh, at the end of the last segment, we were talking about the news and the importance between the difference between opinion and fact. I uh, see. So have if you have any uh, further comments uh, about absolutely, that. Absolutely, Bob. I think I think that's what people have to understand that there are opinion shows and there are news shows. There are opinion columns and there are news columns. So, for instance, um, you know, there's shows on MSNBC that. Their opinion. There's shows on Fox like Tucker Carlson, their opinion. Yet there's the, you know, the news at 6 or the beginning of the, the news at 7 on CNN or wherever it might be. Those are news shows. Now, there is a bias in the news by choosing what things you want to cover. Yep. So when, when one channel or one network or one newspaper covers more of one thing versus another, that shows a certain amount of bias in one direction or another. But generally speaking... What's actually in the columns, not in an opinion piece. Opinion pieces, you know, those are full of falsehoods, let's put it that way. But in straight news pieces generally tend to be accurate. You can give them whatever weight you want, but they generally tend to be accurate. And the situation in, in Ukraine, the reality of, I mean, anything you're getting from Russian TV or anywhere else like that is just falsehoods altogether. Yeah. Because, but anything from mainstream media, what you like to call, defining, you know, day-to-day what's going on in the battles. And you can follow various people from West Point and from the Naval College and all sorts of U.S. defense experts who are tweeting about and, and issuing columns about the state of the war. They're all 
have the same opinion that the Ukrainians are basically winning the war at this point. The Russians have lost the war, and Mark- which brings us to, to President Putin, who now is stuck with a tremendous loss. He made so many mistakes here, um, and on top of everything else, has committed so many war crimes that he has a, you know, we have to really worry. His, his back is against the wall. What is he going to do? Can he, can he admit defeat? Very hard for a dictator to ever uh, admit defeat. So that, that's really the concern at this point, that we have to defeat him, but we have to understand it comes at a certain cost. Yeah. And that's what we have to be worried about. You know, and I totally agree with your comments about f- fact and opinion. I will add this, though. There is a subtle thing that goes on, and that is choosing what to cover. And uh, what I notice is that... Right, that, but I said that very much so. What, what stories get emphasis and what stories don't get emphasis, that is a bias, and you'll see that, you know, You'll compare different newspapers, and you'll see different, uh, even before the latest period of time, before the era where, where Americans have been so divided with Trump and all the other issues. But even going back 30 years, 40 years, different newspapers had different perspectives. And yeah. So you'd have more of one view and more, more not more of one view, more news about one subject matter versus a different subject matter. And you have to be choosy, and you have to understand, you know, look, be, look beyond the front page if you're looking at a newspaper. If you want to get all the news, listen to the whole news broadcast and not only the lead, the lead story, because often the, the lead story is an editorial decision on all the networks. They make a decision what their lead story is going to be, and that reflects their agendas, whatever that might be. Yeah, I think well said, Mark. So I, I will say this also, though. In some cases, you can listen to or read the headlines, and the headlines are actually misleading in terms of the content of what you're actually reading oh, about. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Oh, as someone who's been writing for Newsweek for for six, eight years now, I think it is, my headlines, uh, there were periods of time I'd have an editor that would come back to me and say, is this headline okay? Is this headline okay? And there were times they would not ask me. They want to get the most clicks, and the headline has nothing to do with what I said. (laughs) And, you know, we see that a lot. And of course, and what you just defined is the reason is it's it's what gets the most clicks. If it bleeds, it leads, as you pointed out. So, uh, very right, no, it's a real problem. It's, it's it's a problem. Look, there are dual problems in our media today. Number one, so much of our media is social is is driven by social media. So social media tries to get the most clicks, gets the most engaged. Mm-hmm. But what is what are we engaged with? We engage with things that we agree with in some form or another. So it makes sure that the people who agree have one view, keep on seeing articles that they agree with, and they want it to be more and more extreme because it's more interesting to click on that idea. And it doesn't make a difference whether you're right-wing, left-wing, you know, whatever your views are. They'll make sure you see more and more and more and more extreme of whatever it is you believe in because that gets you to click. That's so and true. That's a real problem. And I'll just uh, pile on a little bit here, Mark, by pointing out that, for example, uh, you'll find in, in a conservative outlet like, say, Breitbart, that they'll quote Cher on saying something actually, well, who cares what Cher says? <laughs> but it, it gets clicks, you know, so that just... That's exactly what they'll do. They'll all do this, and that's, that's part of the problem. Now, there's a secondary problem that exists now, which I, didn't, I hadn't thought about, but where a lot of the new me- the media is now also trying to move more and more to subscriptions as opposed to advertising... And if you want to get people to subscribe to your publication, they want to subscribe to something they agree with. So it's even more so that people make sure that everything they put there is things you agree with. Because uh. if, you get, if you see an article, you're going to, oh, I don't believe that. What is this? You might decide you want to end your subscription. That's ah, so interesting. So, interesting it's a real problem. You know, it, was, it was much better when we all had our little hometown newspaper, whatever it would be. We, we, you know, we subscribed because it was the hometown newspaper. And we kept subscribing because we needed the hometown newspaper, right? Absolutely. Or once upon a time, the TV listings. We kept on subscribing because we needed the TV listings in the back, right? Right. Well, it's it's, it's so interesting, right? Here in Naples, Florida, we have a, a newspaper. Unfortunately, though, it, it has all content uh, from one outlet, uh, and it's... Uh, <laughs> I think they only have like 20 full-time employees here. It makes me wonder if they're going to go to a weekly rather than a daily uh uh, publication, so it's 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 kind of kind of weak. Anyhow, moving on, I, I do want to get your comments about uh, a couple of elections that have happened. The first is the German election, and then the Philippine election. Right. So the German election is a small bit is a is a, a regional election, but it's very interesting because for the first time, the ABN, the far far right party, the first time in the last couple of cycles, did not receive enough votes to 
to appear in, in, in the legislature. Hmm. And the reason for that, the expectation is because they were tied to Putin. Hmm. And being tied to Putin ended up being uh, something that people just will not vote for a party that was tied in any which way to Putin. So it's a good sign, actually. You know, I hope other places, people who find people who are tied in any which way to Putin realize that this is a toxic relationship. Um, and it's probably the reason, of course, in France, we talked about it last week, but that's probably one of the reasons Marie Le Pen ended up not winning was because of her ties to Putin. Yeah. Well, so, it, it's good that people are paying attention to what's in the news, and there should be consequences if uh, for for what you're doing. So if people don't like what's going on, and I'll, I'll just cite what's happening in school boards right now. Big, big upset in the school board here recently, and I've forgotten exactly where, but the point being is people are starting to pay more and more attention to what's happening in the news. Absolutely. I mean, that's always, that's always a good thing. Yeah. Uh, but we also have to make sure they stay, not, you know, focused on real things and not on some crazy stories also, which also happens a lot. They go back to what I said before. Right. Because crazy stories get clicks. Absolutely. So. What, what happened in the Philippines? Um, Mar- so we have another election coming up today in the Philippines. Yeah. And they're the son of uh, the Marcoses, the famous Marcos who ruled rules the Philippines for many years is running in the election and he may be favored to win. So that would be an interesting backward turn for the Philippines. We'll see. Um, some people claim that, you know, Marcos was illegitimately removed from power after being a dictator for 20 years, but uh, that really wasn't what history was all about. Who ended so, up with his mother's shoe collection? I'm being facetious. That's an interesting question. I was, just saying, <laughs> I, yeah, I was thinking that exact thing when you mentioned, right before you explained that question, I was saying, you know, we've, we've, I'm sure the younger listeners that you may have do not even know about the great shoe collection of Imelda Marcus. So. It is so true. Mark, yep. again, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. I do encourage you to introduce, not only take a look at HistoryCentral.com, but for young people in your life, introduce them as well. That multimedia uh, site that uh, allows you to have a better understanding of history. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Mark, I genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. All right. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the uh, Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org.
Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us uh, Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. Uh, Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. We are headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia. Our focus is on high school and college students all over the country and sometimes abroad. We work with them to inspire and educate them in ideas of free market economics, private property, limited government, and personal responsibility. We do that through the website, which is fee.org. It contains updates every day of lively commentary on current events and history and economics. And we also hold in-person events around the country and sometimes abroad. Yeah, terrific organization. I've attended national events. And if you have a young person in your life, college or high school age, I strongly encourage you to introduce them uh, to the website, fee.org, F-E-E.org. Larry, you wrote a piece on hyperinflation. I found it to be so interesting, uh, and I thought we could talk about it. First of all, uh, are we experiencing hyperinflation right now? Well, uh, price inflation is certainly on the rise, and it's becoming alarmingly so. But I wouldn't call it hyperinflation just yet. The official figures uh, put it at around 8.5%. In reality, it's probably several points higher than that, low double digits, no doubt. But uh, hyperinflation is uh, you know, a little arbitrary as far as how it's defined or how badly uh, prices have to be rising before you get that designation. But I think when you get up in the uh, area of 30, 40, 50 percent and beyond, uh, that you could call hyperinflation. We may be headed there. Yeah, no. So, you know, right now we have inflation, it's for sure, but uh, hopefully it can get control. We, we hear about some economies where uh, the value of money is, is cut in half by in a week, you know, so yeah. th- that's hyperinflation. So uh, the question is, have we experienced hyperinflation in the past? Uh, yes, we have. A lot of people seem to think that uh, hyperinflation is something that only remote uh, third world countries ever experience. But the United States has had two hyperinflations in its past. Uh, the first one, which was truly national in scope, occurred uh, during the War for Independence in 1775, a year before the Declaration was uh, uh, pronounced. Uh, The uh, Second Continental Congress uh, put Ben Franklin in charge of the printing presses and said, look, we can't tax, we need the money, we're going to war with Britain, Uh, go print it up. And Franklin was very skeptical of it, and he promised to keep the uh, issuance at first only to $2 million. He said, well, I'll print up $2 million and that's it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But before the year was out, they printed $6 million. And as time went on, the numbers every year just soared until by 1780, there were hundreds and hundreds of millions of unbacked paper dollars circulating, and uh, their value plummeted to near zero. That's the uh, origin of the phrase, not worth a continental. Uh, So we had to get serious and honest with money again and adopted uh, a gold standard, uh, at least a pledge to honor the uh, paper money in gold in sh- in due course. And then the second experience with hyperinflation occurred during the South during the Civil War. And uh, their money went completely worthless, partly because of the outcome of the war. The South lost it, of course, mm-hmm. and also because they printed way too much of it. So it sounds to me the underlying principle here is that uh, you don't want to uh, you don't want to escalate the money supply. Uh, at the expense of us, it's going to drive up the cost of everything. That's right. And this is true not just of money, but of anything. If you overproduce something, this is how the market says, okay, cut it out, find something else to make. If if every farmer in the country decided uh, this year to plant green beans, and we had a good good year for, for the weather, Uh, we'd be drowning in green beans, and the result would be their value would decline drastically. 
And pretty quickly, farmers would get the message, okay, you overdid it. Uh, They're worth almost nothing now. Find something else to grow. Uh, The problem with money is that you have a monopoly in Washington that produces it, the Federal Reserve System. And when they overdo it, uh, they don't really get a, uh, a, a personal act of discipline that corrects their action. I mean, they're not in danger of going out of business when they misbehave, as a uh, farmer is if he produces the wrong thing or too much of it. So um, th- that's the problem. Uh, we have politicized money. We put politicians and their appointees in charge of it. Why should we think that uh, uh, that, that is a prescription for success? You know, and Larry, it seems to me that we've gotten away with it for a long time here. We've been uh, escalating the, uh, the amount of money. In fact, I understand, uh, maybe I read it in your column, I forget now, that uh, the money supply has increased by 80% in the last couple of years. Uh, not quite as high as that. Last couple of years, it's about 35 40%. Ah. But, but that's the highest that we've had uh, over two years since the Second World War. And uh, now with an economy that's... Uh, uh, otherwise doing reasonably well so that there is growth and demand and, and, and labor shortages and so forth, uh, you have that money pouring into a relatively um, healthy economy, and the combination is, is boosting demand and raising the uh, prices of things, which is the inverse of causing the money to decline in value. Yeah, so I understand the... Uh the uh, Federal Reserve cannot go bankrupt. They can't go broke. And so they've been buying up these securities, I guess the U.S. securities and, and mortgages and so forth, for years to the, to the tune of trillions of dollars, if I'm not mistaken. Is that increasing the money supply? What's the impact of that on, on the topic we're discussing? Well, the Federal Reserve technically uh, can't go broke because if it needs money for anything, uh, it just prints it. Yeah. And it's the only entity that can legally do that. Uh, by piling up um, debt through the, its purchase of government securities, the Federal Reserve is uh, fueling the uh, growth in the money supply. That's why we say that whenever the Fed reduces its holdings of securities, it tends to reduce the money supply. When it increases its holdings of securities, then um, it pays for those securities through newly created money, which flows into the system. So it can adjust money supply, uh, at least very broadly and crudely, by its purchases or sales of government securities. Uh, but it raises the question, ultimately, of why do we need a central bank to do this? Yeah. I mean, if, they, if the Congress would uh, balance its budget so that uh, we don't have this belching forth of massive quantities of debt that somebody has to buy, then there wouldn't be pressure on the Fed to buy it. You know, it's kind of interesting. We had uh, moderate, very moderate inflation up until the time the Fed was created. I guess it was in 1913, if I'm not mistaken. Some, some, a very reasonable amount of inflation. Since then, the inflation has just absolutely uh, gone, grown immeasurably. Uh, is that accurate? Uh, yes, it is, because before the Fed, we, we did have brief periods of inflation, nothing like uh, what we're seeing now even, so uh, low inflation. But then they tended to be countered by uh, periods of low deflation. Yeah. There was a gentleness in the, uh, 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 the, the price uh, graph, you might say, with uh, gentle increases for a time, followed by corrections and gentle declines. It was, in other words, relative stability. But now what we're seeing is uh, a continued growth into alarming levels of rising prices with no immediate prospect of them coming down. Yeah, a great discussion. So enlightening. Again, Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. The website is fee.org, F-E-E.org. Larry, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden. She's my wife. She's also really well-informed of what's happening. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, 
Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, uh, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Linda Harden. She's not only my beautiful wife, and by the way, happy Mother's Day to you, Linda. As well as uh, uh, very well informed of what's happening around the world and the country. Linda, thanks so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning to you. So on Saturday night, we watched the premiere of 2,000 Mules. We're looking forward to get your comments. Well, first, we nearly got drowned coming back from dinner. That's true. (laughs) But um, after we got dried off and and were able to settle in and got figured out how how to load it up on your computer, which was great to watch. Um, 2,000 Mules was awesome. Yeah. I mean, Dinesh D'Souza always makes really informative documentaries, and this this is no exception. I mean, it it's jaw-dropping. Yeah. The information that he and this these two people that he that he found with uh, Truth the Vote, um, what they found out is just mind-boggling. Yeah, I mean, it's just unbelievable. For example, in Pennsylvania... Uh, 1,150 mules identified, 45 different drop boxes and estimated illegal votes, 275,000 illegal votes, 125,000 illegal votes in Michigan, 14,000 in Wisconsin, 30,000 in Georgia. Now, keep in mind, all these states had very small margins of victory for uh, for Biden. And these are these are drop boxes. This doesn't even include the machines that Zuckerbucks contributed four hundred million dollars to to affect the election but to watch these these mules go and put these votes in these drop boxes was was stunning because and people will say well what's wrong with you know you're maybe you're taking all your family's votes in and well not at two o'clock in the morning and not not with gloves on and then despo- de- depositing your plastic gloves in the trash receptacle next to the drop box. you know what, what's interesting is they actually used a phone Technology, they are able to buy less of pings and that kind of thing. I don't understand exactly what I'm saying right now, but I don't understand the technology is my point. But they, in order to make it a very conservative uh, study, they said that you had to uh, visit uh, ten different uh, not-for-profits or places of, uh, that were doing uh, vote dis- distribution. Now they didn't name the names of the con- companies that were doing the votes distributions, but these mules would actually go from not-for-profit for to not-for-profit, collect the votes, take them to different drop boxes around the state. It was a, it was so well planned. Well, and like the whistleblower was saying at the end of the at the end of the show, is that this has been going on for years mm-hmm. that they've been doing this. Um, how many of our elections do you suppose? 
have been tampered with. Well, no question about that. And and the thing is, too, uh, you brought up the whole notion of uh, it's uh, the uh, dom- Dominion uh, voting machines. The fact of the matter is, if you recall the election at 11 o'clock at night, all of a sudden the vote counting stopped. 10.30. 10.30, vote, voting uh, counting stopped. And all of a sudden, it, it, of course, the... The premise is that they probably changed the algorithm somehow in the computers so to, to make a Biden a come out as the winner. So you have two separate things going on. Proof positive that uh, Biden, that the, uh, the mules, the 2,000 mules, actually collected enough votes to change the vote in these key swing states. But in addition to that, we also have the Dominion machines. We still have to have, uh, we know that something happened. We just have to have the proof that it happened. They're doing, they're doing everything they can to keep that information out, which, which is just to, just to if anybody watches election nights, mm-hmm. can you remember any other night where the, where the media come out and said, oh, they've stopped voting? No, never. Stop counting. Yeah. Stop counting. They, they, they never did. If, I mean, even if you watch Trump's election in 2016, elections with Barack Obama where, where Romney was, was, um, was supposed to do so well, they all kept going, kept going until 1, 2 o'clock in the morning until yeah. the, the victory was in. No, never have I ever seen them say, all the media say at once, oh, well, they need their sleep. They stopped counting at no, 10.30. You know, I'm not agnostic at all. I believe the election was stolen, and I believe that proof positive will be coming out. What I'd hoped is this would happen a lot faster than it has. I mean, we, we definitely, this is, when you re- see the the movie, and I strongly recommend that you do, it's called 2,000 Mules by Denise D'Souza. You there, can get it on 2000mules.com. Uh, 2000mules.com. It's a small fee in order to, to watch it. Certainly worth it. Or you can buy the DVD. Or buy the DVD. Uh, so watch 2,000 Mules. But in addition to that, these various state houses, of course, they have Republicans and Democrats. We have people who are trying to obstruct progress on investigations and people who are trying to support that. So all this is taking so much time. But I think inevitably, my opinion is, the truth is going to come out on this and uh, there will be proof. I'm sure it's going to go to court. We'll end up us uh, perhaps overturning the election. So I find it so interesting that at the end of the movie when they were having this talk back, Mm-hmm. that the one guy with the beard, I can't remember his name, who was a real techno wizard about all this stuff, and he said that Fox News attorneys have instructed the people on Fox not to mention 2,000 mules at all. That's So too- they're trying to hide it, hide it, hide it. And I don't know if these people realize this, but like um, Zuckerberg on Facebook and, and Twitter, every time they censor something, to my mind, it makes me even more curious as to what they're censoring. That's, that's exactly right. Actually, a True the Vote is uh, the founder is Catherine Engelbrecht, uh, she, and then she was working with Greg Phillips. Now, oh, this so is the guy, the, Phillips, the, you know, right. the computer analyst who uh, came up with this way of determining whether the fraud was committed. Really smart guy. So uh, I, I, uh, for our listeners right now, I just strongly encourage you to see 2,000 Mules. By the way, go to, the, go to truthofvote.com, their website, too, because it's very, very informative about, about what they're doing. So we've got all these people. Um, we've got stuff going on with, with Truth the Vote, trying to figure out what went on with the election. We've got Mike Lindell, who's spending money hand over fist in lawsuits against to try and get these voting machines out of our elections forever and ever. We've got these heroes, Naomi Wolf, who's, who's through her website... Um, uh, dailyclout.io is has recruited lawyers and and over 3,000 people, including I don't know how many lawyers, to go through all this Pfizer stuff where, where there are documents that are dropping. It's so it, it just gives me chills to know that these people are really stepping up in spite of being threatened and whatever to find the truth. Uh, earlier point in the show, but the fact of the matter is people now are paying attention to what's happened to local and national politics. They're getting involved. They're concerned about the outcome, and it couldn't come at a better time. Exactly. I mean, it's 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 exciting, and, and more and more the media is trying to cover it up, and, and people are saying, uh-uh, yeah. not, no mas, no, not going not gonna to hide from us anymore. Linda, I just so much appreciate uh, you coming on the show. I hope you'll come on tomorrow. Will you do it? I'll be here. I hope my voice is better. I know I've got this little frog. You sound great. Must have been playing golf. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We have great guests lined up for tomorrow, including Seat Modley, the founder and president of Less Government. Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, will be joining us. We'll find out what's new with Boo, Boo Mortensen. Of course, Linda will be back tomorrow as well. I hope you make it a great day on the 
Paradise Coast or wherever you are, namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharton.com.